0: Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and crime. I'm Sloan, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender for today. So grab a cocktail, buckle up for the Hot Mess Express. Toot, toot! Beep, beep! <laughs>
1: another cocktail with your bartender sloan today we are making the breakfast shot which a lot of people know about i had heard about but i had never tried i'm not a big fan of whiskey so i did not want to try this (laughs) but then i saw somebody say this tasted like a mcgriddle and then my fat ass was all over it like syrup in a mcgriddle
0: yes it's it's
1: pancakes
0: it's good and orange juice <laughs> like
1: it's good yeah. so what you need is one ounce of jameson a half ounce of butterscotch schnapps and then orange juice the jameson and the there's a few different ways to do I this i would say there it, are some people it depends that on who people how you want to yes. do this there's doing equal parts of each and you start with the jameson then you shoot the butterscotch then you shoot the orange juice what I did was I took the Jameson and the butterscotch. I shook it up with ice, poured it into my shot glass, and then I filled my other shot glass up with orange juice. And then I shot the Jameson, and then I shot the orange juice. And I will be damned if it did not taste like a damn McGriddle. Yes, It was so good. So if you want to see me making this, uh, we will have a reel and a TikTok posted on our socials we will also have a recipe card posted to instagram as well those are both tequila she wrote we also post these um podcasts every tuesday and friday so remember to come back and see us or if you don't want to remember on your own subscribe and then spotify or apple or whoever will remind you for you yes
0: we also have a patreon set up finally We start as low as $2 and it works its way up. But you get an extra bonus episode. You get some longer episodes and some of the tiers. You get haunted episodes.
1: We've got a lot of great stuff going on over there. So go check it out. I mean, it's $2 a month minimum, bottom base. It really helps
0: us out too. And yeah, we hope you Enjoy this drink. You grab yourself a cocktail, whether you want to do this shot real quick or you want to make yourself something else. And we hope you buckle up for our wild ride on the Hot Mess Express. Enjoy. All right. I'm Trish, your crime tender for today. And today's episode I'm doing on Angela Samota.
1: Never heard of this one.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one that
1: I don't think I've ever heard of this one, at least.
0: Out of the podcasts we have listened to, I do not recall any of them doing this one. But we also don't listen to all the same podcasts. So one of your other ones might have.
1: There are a ton of us out there.
0: Yes. <laughs> so this is the murder of Angela Simota. Okay. So a little bit about Angela is her full name is Angela Marie Samota. She was born September 19th, 1964 in Almeda, California, to Frank and Betty Ruth Samota. Such (laughs) like 50s, 60s names. (laughs) Agreed. She went by Angie and was the youngest of five. So not a super big family, but still. Pretty standard at the time. Yes. She enrolled at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, otherwise known as SMU. SMU! (laughs) (laughs) They're they're part of the American Conference, so... (laughs) Cincinnati played them quite a few times. Good old Mustangs. But go on,
1: Bearcats. (laughs) (laughs) As as we're recording this, uh, Cincinnati plays Alabama this week for the national championships. I'm so nervous, but... I'm excited. I'm
0: excited, but I'm nervous. And I would love to see a true, like, David and Goliath, like... Yeah, type of game would be amazing. Yeah, I'd be what
1: walk- We are- when I'm allowed
0: back at work, I'd be walking around like, yeah. oh yeah, we we yeah we on talked a, about this on a Patreon. Patreon yes, so but not here. You, you all don't know. Technically, I have not technically. I have tested positive for COVID due to like. By a rapid test, but it, it came back pretty much Immediately. I, yeah. I literally took the test. I sat down for maybe all of two minutes and I was called back up and she said, Yeah, you're you're just showing positive already. I went, Great. So technically I am I'm testing positive. So that just means that I get a week off of work and I get to uh devote herself. devote my time to just the podcast. So Woohoo! Woohoo! But yes, Cincinnati has yet to play Alabama. So either at the time you're listening to this, I'm either happy or sad.
1: Oh, for sure. Sh- yeah, for sure at the time of this, because this is, we're recording this like two, three weeks in advance. Yes. We
0: are ahead of schedule, which is a great feeling.
1: <laughs> but yes,
0: I'm either happy or sad at this time, Whoa. whether it's a loss to Alabama or a loss in the. Um,
1: Well, I do want to address, like, yes, it's an exciting thing that, one, we're ahead of schedule. um, We were kind of worried about doing this, but for Trisha's sake, I do kind of want to address that she is missing out on some good quality family time to be here with us. Her sister and nephew, her, like, little toddler nephew, flew in from Australia for this Christmas and she got rapid tested to make sure that she was okay to be around them and found out that she was positive for COVID. So while we are happy to have her here with us and editing to get this stuff out to y'all on time and whatnot, she is losing out on a lot of great family time to do that for us. So while we do appreciate her, I do want to, you know, acknowledge the sacrifices that are being made here. (laughs) It's not fair to, you know, celebrate her, you know, all the good things. Her birthday was this week. Christmas was this week. New Year's and all that stuff. But we did say that she's positive and we didn't really talk about it. I did get tested as well. And I am... On the verge of being positive is what my tester said. They basically said she came back neg- negative, but
0: she might as well be positive, right? So, all of that to say, so like, literally, she probably go in like two days and show positive,
1: right? But all of that to say, like, I just it. I, I can't appreciate Trish being here and being able to do these things without acknowledging the sacrifices that she's making to be here and do those things. So, all of that being said, we shall continue with our normal episode. Yeah. So, like I said, Angela
0: um, was enrolled at SMU. Shmew!
1: Shmew! <laughs> it's just so... I love like, it. Shmew. It's like why I love Arkansas. Because they're... <laughs> so- they're
0: after the pigs. Wee! But cousin- Smew is a, is a mustang. So it's like they don't really have... As far as I know, they don't really have a a fun like call. But they might. I don't know.
1: I haven't looked into it. Hey... I I went to Mississippi State University, the home of the cowbell. I would say bring on the cowbell. (laughs) Just be glad I don't have my cowbell in here for this. Anyways, moving (laughs) on.
0: Angela went to SMU. She belonged to Zeta Tau Alpha Sorority. Was not a sorority girl though, myself personally. I was nope. for like a year. I I made great um, friends out of it, pie, but it was pie not. Phi, Kyo. I was a Kyo okay. Omega. I made some great friends out of it, <laughs> but it was not a fit
1: for me at that university. Did oh they, lord! Did they have a uh, song? for Kaios at your at your school i'm sure it's probably the
0: same one it just depends on what song it was okay <laughs> let me know what yours was there was so many there was like the kaiho kaiho that was yes that
1: was the one kaiho kaiho it's off to work we go <laughs> yes, oh, with the sigma kai beneath our thighs kaiho 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 kaiho
0: I would say there is there is many okay, <laughs>
1: but also on my campus the coyotes were like the goody goody girls. So no. it is what it is. Our ours were it's not different on every campus.
0: Ours like yes, all of our like sorority girls were looked at as kind of like goody goody but As you got, <laughs> into, it, as you got into it, like you kind of realized, like okay, these are the stuck up ones. These are the ones that are more like chill (laughs) like i still remember walking into one of the sorority houses and one of my friends who was also named trisha walked in and was like
1: better than the tissy we (laughs) talked about on patreon
0: (laughs) but she walked into this house and went oh that table make a great beer like beer pong table and she and this woman goes
1: It's mahogany. And we both go, okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) My mom sent me a video. Um, My husband and I decided not to go home for Christmas, which I am thankful for now, especially. I just, I work in the service industry, so I feel really uncomfortable. We're both like, we are
0: exposed to so many people. So you have no idea who you're waiting on. You don't know what they might be bringing, whether it's COVID, the flu, a common cold, like you don't know what you're being exposed to.
1: Yeah, so anyways I, we just, I did not feel comfortable going home and uh, anyways, funny story is that my mom sent me a video and my brothers played present pong Oh lord. To decide who was going to open up gifts Oh <laughs> So it was like beer pong, but like whoever sunk the cup got to open a present. (laughs) Got to open a present. (laughs) Have a very fun family. We're very alcohol based. We did. We did not do that. We went tequila.
0: She wrote. (laughs) We went around the circle. Like we started with my mom. No, we started with my dad. Let him open. Then we went my mom.
1: My sister's
0: girlfriend, like, we went, like, through all that. Yeah. Like.
1: (laughs) A rotation. Not a game. We
0: did that.
1: We've done scavenger hunts. (laughs) We've I'm
0: sure with my family, with how it would go, we would be fine with doing, like, a beer pong style, like, (laughs) thing, but. Present
1: pong, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am.
0: Still, I. Yeah, that's not how we do it.
1: (laughs) That is. My mom just she she loves Christmas like she is the ideal hoovian, and she always comes up with fun ways for us to do it. Some years it's scavenger hunts, some years it's like you got to find something to open. It, yeah. it just it's it's always fun in my home.
0: Well, my mom still rain from Santa. <laughs> <on> the-
1: <laughs> Santa is real. Yes,
0: my. My sister, myself, and her girlfriend got a Christmas gift from Santa that was a thousand piece puzzle. It took us all of, without breaks, it took us probably five
1: or six hours to put together. Oh my gosh, that sounds like so much fun. And it sounds like I would consume so much tequila.
0: (laughs) We literally, like, they were like, So, this is how you kept them like entertained as children, (laughs) pretty much. Yes, Yes. but with less puzzle pieces because (laughs) at the the end of the day, we were kids and we got
1: short and we had short intentions
0: fans. Okay, nowadays, yes, you can give us like a thousand plus piece puzzle, or we'll sit there till it's done.
1: Amen. Especially if it is I have like a uh, Disney. This puzzles one was I love
0: we had Disney ones take us like five minutes to do. Yeah. But this one was a <laughs> thousand piece. It was like uh like around the world one. It had different landmarks from different countries and everything. So it was like it was a very busy puzzle. So that's why it took us so long. Right. Because you had things that looked like other things. Yeah. So you just had to figure out where it fit in. But It
1: was not a kid's puzzle. Yes.
0: We had a lot of fun. Oh.
1: <laughs> Back <laughs> to the we're, case. Now that we're,
0: we've are we gotten off that rant. <laughs> Back to the case. So Angela Simota like I said, she went to SMU. She was part of a sorority. She was... This is back in, like, the early 80s.
1: Okay. She... You know I love a good time frame.
0: Yes. So, like, my next point, this just brings up, like, more about her. She was studying computer science and electrical engineering. So, a smart bitch. Yes. So, for the time, she was clearly very smart and she was one of the few girls in this like department of computer science and electrical engineering like i said we're talking this is i think like 84 86 something like that so (laughs) yeah back then very on her time yes back then computers are not what they are today they're not everything (laughs) And engineering is mainly a male-dominant, like, field.
1: It still is, but especially back then. Yes. Yes.
0: She was, according to friends and family, very vivacious, friendly. Um, Her smile would light up, like, her whole face. She just, she was a people person
1: who i used to be
0: (laughs) and then the restaurant industry killed my soul her roommate and friend sheila said the first semester they didn't get along because angela had a boyfriend that she didn't like but once her and that boyfriend broke up they became super close been there done that understand (laughs) They brute they both grew up without fathers and they bonded over that. I personally have both my parents in my life. They're both happily married to each other. so I don't I don't know that aspect of like not having one parent over the other, but I do. I could understand you know not having like your father and you find someone that also has that so like obviously you're going to be able to share more than someone like me who has both yeah. both parents it's a it's a mutual ground yes so and obviously like we said Angela is very smart she's very like she books works hard she is in a field that not a lot of females are in schooling seems to somewhat come easy for her her roommate Sheila on the other hand was dyslexic so she struggled in all of her classes so they were polar opposites Sheila said she was more of an observer she was friendly but she was definitely never the center of the room yeah (laughs) which felt (laughs) I, I I'm friendly but I am not going to be the center of attention. I'll make friends with people, but...
1: It depends on how I feel. Yeah. No, I... I can I'm... be a wallflower, f- or I can be, like... I'm
0: a quiet person. You have to get to know me before I really kind of open up to you.
1: <laughs> true. Slo-
0: Sloan bought us the perfect stickers for our water bottle. <laughs> true, true. If my... If my mouth doesn't say it, my face definitely will. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. So, while Angie was the center of attention, Sheila liked to be more on the outside looking in. She'll be friendly with people, but she's not going to go out of her way to really make friends. The night of October 20th, 1984, so, yeah, like I said, Early 80s. Angie is only 20 years old at this time. She went out with two friends. Russell Bunchin, Sounds good to me. And Anita Cadala.
1: Also sounds good to me. Right.
0: They went to the State Fair of Texas. Which Texas is a big ass state. So I imagine this this fair is probably huge. <laughs>
1: Everything's bigger in Texas. Right.
0: Angie also had a boyfriend. Ben McCall. He couldn't go with them. To the state fair. Because he already had a job. As a construction worker. And he had to be up super early. So he bowed out of going out with them. According to Russell. And. Aunt Anita. The. Three of them spent most of their night at the Rio Room Dance Club. They stayed there till about midnight. Russell said that Angie went from table to table like she knew everyone. She was mingling. All this stuff. Which, knowing about her personality, that fits her. Yeah. They decided they needed to go home. Apparently, Angie was the one that drove, so she dropped Russell off first and then took Anita home. Russell says that he was dropped off around one, and then, like I said, they dropped off Anita, Anita, which it never anywhere said how far Anita lived from her. Mm Mm-hmm. Angela decided she was going to go stop by her boyfriend's real quick to say goodnight, probably because at this time you got figure, phone like, mobile phones, like, cell phones are not a big thing. You can't just text someone at that point in time and be yeah. like, all right, heading in for the night, you have to call or actually show up. So she went and said, like, goodnight to her boyfriend, pretty much said, hey, I'm heading in for the night, all that stuff. Uh, where was that? Ben said around one forty-five. So, like I said, Russell says at like one o'clock is when she got dropped off. According to Russell, his apartment's maybe a five-minute walk from from her condo, so it's very close. Right, but
1: she went. To but like she went to Anita's boyfriend. first, so like you okay. don't know
0: where that was, and then you don't know where also the boyfriend the boyfriend was. So. It's very likely that, like, 145 she was home <laughs> and all this. So, yeah. At 145, Ben said she called him and said there was a man in her house that had asked to use the bathroom and her phone.
1: Do not let him in. <laughs> she
0: never stated whether the man was already there or if she had granted him access to the condo. Which, if you ex- you let him into the condo, <laughs> red flag number one. Yeah. Never let a stranger <laughs> into your own space.
1: Us as crime junkies versus a very extroverted, friendly person, though. Yeah.
0: Also, this is the early 80s. You know, yeah. I feel like crime wasn't as openly
1: talked about. Yeah.
0: So... There is that. So like I said, there was apparently the strange man that she didn't know in her apartment. Whether he was already there or she let him in. It was never determined. Determined. She asked her boyfriend to talk to her while he was there. But then a few moments later, she said she would call him back and immediately hung up. Hmm. So me being the crime junkie I am, I would, I don't care if you hung up or whatnot, I would be calling you back. No, yeah. no, I'm, I need a more explanation. Yeah, He apparently waited a while and when he didn't receive a call back, he decided to call her and shocking, he didn't get response. So he decided to drive over to her condo and knock on the door. And again, he got no response. He happened to have a, like, early cell phone at this point. Right.
1: We're in the 80s. We're
0: in the 80s. So it's big block, like, phone, way larger than any of our cell phones today. But he was able to call a, um, like, operator and whatnot, get contact with the police, and mm-hmm. called and reported that he was at his girlfriend's house everything basically enough to get police
1: to come out and assess the situation right i'm a little shocked because it is the 80s and they did not they didn't take things like this as seriously yes as we do today
0: but clearly there must have been something that he said that made them respond immediately yeah Okay, so like I said, he was able to get a hold of police, and they responded. So, rookie officer Janice Crowther? I'm going to say it's Crowther. That's one of those last names that could really probably be said many ways. She answered the call, along with her partner, in about... 2.17 2.17 a.m. So this was not it was kind of a quick response but it also wasn't. You got there 1.45 is when he got the call. Yeah. So at 2.17 basically the next day because at this point it's no longer the, what I say? The 19th? No. No, no. 20th. So yeah, it's no longer the 20th. It's like 21st at this point. And they immediately noticed that Angela's Toyota Supra was in the drive but there was no movement in the house. So that makes things way suspicious. Yeah. Because clearly she, unless someone came and got her she is home. But you're not getting a response so either you're a very heavy sleeper or something is wrong which i used to be a very heavy sleeper so like i understand but nowadays i hear a knock or something i'm waking up
1: i have never been a heavy sleeper in my life ever
0: (laughs) oh my my mother has stories believe me (laughs) So, Angela's car is there, but there's no movement in the house. Officer Crowther was able to get keys from the apartment manager to get into this condo unit. She said Angela's shoes were in the kitchen, and she was in that part of the house when her partner called from across the house and was like, we found her in the bedroom. So she heads towards the bedroom. And once they entered the bedroom, they immediately entered, like, the scene of the crime. That's always so creepy. Yes. Like, the whole situation, just that in general, yeah. is already traumatizing. But, like, the eyes being open. The eyes open. being open just adds a whole nother thing. Because at that point, like... I feel like if the eyes are open, you can't even say it's really, like, anything other than somebody aided in this. Right. So, along with her being naked and stretched across the bed, she was stabbed 18 times. And if that's not already enough for you, her heart was basically cut out. Oh. From the number of stab wounds and that like the one article I found showed a crime scene photo, but it only showed her legs. Yeah. And I believe that's probably because of the graphic
1: nature, nature of, the of, of like
0: the rest of her body. But from what I read, it's like, it basically said her from the number of stab wounds that she had in her chest area. Her heart was basically sat on top of her chest. Oh. Which is Mm. just terrible. Yeah. And then this was just a random fact that they had, but I just feel like it was just, like, after, like, the whole nature of her body. Just to see this, it's just like, you sick fuck. Yeah. There was a stuffed rabbit set beside her body. Why? Why? It never gets brought Why? up other than the fact that there was just a stuffed rabbit that she must have had around her at this time. And I'm just like, really? You have this brutal crime scene and then there's just a little stuffed animal sitting there. Which, granted, if like you came in my room, there'd be a stuffed penguin but or stuffed Eeyore.
1: But still, like, not an actual penguin or Eeyore, though. I would assume this is an actual, like, animal stuffed. I I think it's a stuffed animal, like, just, rabbit. like, a
0: rather, like, instead of, like, teddy bear or whatnot, it's a rabbit. But, yeah, it was just, like, she had basically a stuffed animal beside her, which.
1: Either way, it's creepy. Yeah,
0: it's just, it's one of those things that you're just, like, you have this brutal body. Yeah. And then there's just, like, this random stuffed animal. It's just some like it just basically solidifies the fact that this isn't just like a true grown adult. This is somebody that's still Yeah somewhat of a child. So obviously the police this is the early eighties. Police just have to basically say, Yeah, we have suspects. Right. We gotta be able to trace stuff back to them, but we have suspects. The police first suspected Russell because he had been out with Angela and Nita earlier that night and he lives so close, so he's obviously one. Right. Then you have the boyfriend. The significant other Usually people close. Usually people closest to you end up being your killer. And then they have an ex-boyfriend that Angela had from her hometown that was also sus- suspect because in a fit of rage he had cut up her clothes and threat sorry threatened her with a knife. So there is reason to believe that
1: a history.
0: Yes. But during the autopsy, authorities came back with some information that I I don't think I've really ever heard this term being used. So whether this is an early 80s thing or if it's just something that you don't see very often, sure. But it concluded that her attacker was a non secretor which meant no blood or saliva was left in his secretions. Yeah, totally heard of that. Yeah, so... I don't know when it came around, but, like, it's not something I've really heard of, so it might be something that's not very common,
1: It just, I mean, it just means that, like, pretty much to make this, like, dumb it down, it means when a guy jizzes, there's nothing to tie it back to him. There's no DNA in it. He wouldn't be able to get a girl pregnant, like... And, I mean, it extends past that. Like, even sometimes your sweat follicles, like your secretions, they just don't have your DNA in it. It's very rare, but Law & Order SVU has prepared me for this moment. So,
0: yeah. So, he was a non-secreter, which, out of the three suspects they had, narrowed it down to good old Russell. I just don't like the name Russell. Yeah. So, her friend and roommate, Sheila, was at her mom's when, like, all this happened and she got a phone call from, I don't remember if it said Anita or another friend. So, she got a phone call from someone basically being like, hey, I hope you're staying down. I have some news for you. Right. And pretty much once she got over the shock and everything, she determined she was ready to help in any way possible. She wanted to be a part of this case, whether she was there or not. She was asked the same questions that many other people close to Angela were asked, like, how well do you know her? What, like, yeah, your standard questions, just so, like, you can get kind of a profile of your victim. And maybe pick up on some things. And it got to the point that basically police were like, okay, you're willing to help us. If you find out anything, like, of importance, you know, just report back to us And that. Sheila decided to go out to dinner with Russell. And basically be able to see if his story matched up to what he told police. Which she found out it did. He said, you know, he went to the fair with her and did all like the dance club thing. And that and then after that, he went to bed. He woke up. He went to stay with his parents for like the weekend. And then he didn't find out till he came back that. Angela had been murdered at this point, so he was just as in shock as she was, so at this point, his story is matching up, so, you know, there's not much police can really do other than maybe just dig further. Also, Russell apparently had also taken a lie detector test, and he had passed with flying colors, so... Again, this is the early 80s. Yeah. At that point, you're basically considered clear. Because there's not much more you can do to really prove. Because DNA is not a thing at this point.
1: They really relied on the lie detector test. Which we now know don't hold much merit to them. Yeah. So, Sheila said Russell was about
0: four or five years older than him than her and Angela but he was already established in his profession so Angela thought he would just be a good contact to have so that's how he is connected to this like friend group right it was just more that yeah he was someone that she could hang out with but also he at this point he's connection he's not really anything else and then after like he took the lie detector test and everything And they really have no proof other than the fact that he was one of the last people. He lawyered up. He said, I'm done with this. You can talk to my lawyer. He didn't just lawyer up. He got one of the top lawyers for that time. So to police and to Sheila, this sends up like a red flag. Like, why are you getting this high profile lawyer? And that, but... Police were never able to ha like have any evidence that indicated him and everything, so like they had nothing to go off of. It was just here convenient, so Russell just had to move on with his life, which good for you, not laying this derail your stuff, but also this is someone that you claim was your friend, so yeah. You're also stonewalling this case. He ended up. Instead of helping. Yes. He ended up moving out of the country for grad school. And at this point, Sheila has dropped out of school because she's just so traumatized and haunted by her friend's death that like. Nothing is making her really want to stay in school. So like I said, this is the 80s. Fast forward to 2004, the case is cold by this point. There's no ending. They have nobody really other than the fact that Russell was their main suspect, but they can't tie it, tie it to him at all. Sheila says that she was reading passages from Daniel and suddenly, Angela appeared in a vision next to her. She didn't say anything, she just kind of smiled at her and everything. And in that point, she decided she needed to do whatever she could to research into this more. She contacted the police to make them re-examine the case and whatnot. She got ignored multiple times. So she decided she's going to apply to become a P.I., which, if I ever die, I expect you to apply <laughs> and become a PI for me. Will do. <laughs> Will do. So, obviously, you can't just jump into cold cases. You have to, like, bring your way up. So, she worked her way through, like, the cheating and all that, like, lower level stuff, according to the PI world. And worked her way up to cold cases. And Like 2006, 2004, like somewhere between then, she got her PI license. And so she's officially able to really help in this investigation. Lisa Crum became the new detective that took over this case. Crum was able to pull blood, semen, and fingernail samples for DNA to be tested. Which as a side note, these DNA samples were said to have been lost, like completely lost. So they were never able to be tested before this. But suddenly Crumb gets this case and they magically appear. So whether they were actually lost or somebody just was like
1: kind nah. of like in the West Memphis case. Yes. Where never run, we'll cover yes. that. <laughs> But yeah.
0: These, case, these DNA samples were said to have been lost. And then suddenly they were able to be used. And they're there suddenly. So they were finally tested. And like I said, at the time in the 80s, this is something that couldn't be done. So this is new stuff that is being taken advantage of. And it works out in their favor. In 2008, so... Like I said, this is like 06, so it took about two or three years. 2008, the DNA results came back, and they were traced to a man called Donald Bess. Like, you've heard me say, we have not talked about Donald Bess, so. Yeah. New name. New name. Police at this time wouldn't even be able to identify him for anything. He, so Donald Andrew Best Jr. from Arkansas was first charged in 1978 with, wouldn't you know it, aggravated rape and aggravated kidnapping.
1: Wouldn't you know it.
0: (laughs) And was let out for parole in 1984. Now, when does that date sound familiar? The beginning. Yes. For so us, the beginning. Yes. So she he's let out in eighty four, which happens to be when Angela was raped and murdered. So as we've seen from time to time, these serial killers, rapists, whatever, usually they, they get they get caught and then they'll have to serve their term and then they get released and for the most part they usually always Go back to what they got caught for.
1: And learn how and the, to do yes, better. And
0: then they escalate a little bit. All that stuff. So. In 1985. He was sentenced. In Harris County. On an unrelated case to Angela. To life imprisonment. On one count of aggravated rape. One count of aggravated kidnapping. And one count of sexual assault. Good guy. Yes. It wasn't until 2010, when he was already facing this life imprisonment, but not capital murder, that he was tried for the rape of, rape and murder of Angela Simona. During the case, many women came forward and testified to being raped by Bess. His ex-wife also testified to him being abusive to her and their children during the three years of marriage that they shared. Which was in 1969 and 1972. So, obviously, Bess was found guilty of Angela's murder based on the DNA match and everything. He was sentenced to death, but he is still awaiting his execution date in Polunsky Prison? He said there there's some names in this. I'm like, mm, eh, yeah, we'll figure it out. Sounds good to me. So to he this He
1: looks like a Yes. Creep.
0: He is one if, if we're watching New Girl, this is Schmidt going, a white girl, a white man.
1: No. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, Yeah, he is creepy and yeah. He look he looks <laughs> like somebody that would have Basically, not take no. Yeah. So, to this day, Sheila is still a P.I. She originally, when she sat out on her P.I. like quest, she wanted to only just help solve Angela's case because it haunted her so much. But after it came to light that she helped crack this case and that she had gotten outpour poor of like People reaching out to her and everything. And she said she was going to stick with it and try to help as many people as she could.
1: That's awesome.
0: So that is one silver line to this case. Other than the fact that Angela's murderer did get caught. But it's also, it did spark one of her friends to become a PI and help not only solve her case. But she's helping to solve other cases. Yeah. So... That is basically what I have for you as for the murder of Angela. Like I said, this case stuck out to me just mainly. I looked up little known, like true crime things, and it popped up. And one, like the synopsis for it was basically inspired her best friend to become a PI. And I was like, if I die in an unnatural way, I expect my friends, the crime junkies,
1: I will, <laughs> to avenge my <by> murder. <laughs> I will. Don't ask again. I will. But for yeah, sure. That, that's, that's what I have for you today. Welcome back to another last call with your bartender, Sloan. Mm-hmm. This one is about Hamilton. A we, musical.
0: we love us some, Hamilton
1: We do. We do. You will never guess who Trish is (laughs) in Hamilton. I'll give you about like three seconds. If you want more, pause. Think about it. One, two, three. King George! (laughs) No one ever gets it. Ever.
0: He's my favorite. Everybody's like, Lafayette, Hamilton, somebody like that. Nope. I identify with King George so much. I love his witty sense of
1: humor. (laughs) I am torn between Lafayette and Hercules Mulligan,
0: Hercules Mulligan. Logan has since jumped on the Hercules Mulligan train. Like she was, she was Lafayette from the start. And then she saw that he, uh, the guy that plays Hercules Mulligans in Chicago Fire or uh-huh. something like that.
1: I from the first song that he performed in, like I loved him. I mean,
0: I let's know. be honest, we love all the characters. Do love all the <laughs> characters?
1: Yes, absolutely. But
0: we have absolutely. our favorites.
1: Absolutely. Uh, we would love to go see Hamilton one day, but first I need to sell a kidney or something. <laughs> I was going to
0: say, i to <laughs> do something.
1: So instead, last night I was supposed to be researching for another case and I had turned on Hamilton for background noise because I've watched <laughs> it a million times and I shouldn't have to pay attention to it, right? But you do. Wrong. I watched the whole damn thing all she, over again.
0: She, knowing me, sent me a Snapchat when King George was on. <laughs> and so then I started singing it.
1: I seriously started playing this movie at 2 a.m. today. <laughs> like, who the fuck do I think I am? Because it's not a short, short. No, it's thing two and, and a half hours, which is one of my points. But, anyways, all right, so Hamilton Fun Facts. If you have not seen or heard of Hamilton, you should know that it is... You need to
0: pause right now and go get you a Disney Plus and go watch it.
1: (laughs) Free subscription, download the soundtrack. I don't care how you figure it out, but you do need Hamilton in your life. It is a lot better if you watch it the first time and then listen to the soundtrack, but I digress. Anyways, so if you haven't, then you do not, you may not know that rap is kind of the central theme between everything that happens in Hamilton. And it was a very big influence on the musical. So when Miranda first thought of making a piece of art dedicated to Alexander Hamilton, he originally wanted to create a mixtape of rap songs to sing the story of Hamilton's life. He never really envisioned it being a Broadway show. It was just going yes. to be a CD. Which he did end up going on to create after the Broadway show came out. He collaborated with a lot of really big names. And they made a mixtape between Hamilton soundtrack and like... Uh, I just put not everybody that was on that soundtrack. I mean, but it's great.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of big names. I want to say Black Eyed
1: Peas was on it. And that was probably yes. the lamest group that was on there. And I do love the Black Eyed Peas. But like the fact that they were...
0: The bottom of the barrel for this soundtrack. I forget who's all on there, but there's
1: some big names. Yes. I wrote, I'm so happy that the mixtape actually evolved into our beloved show. But by primarily using rap for most of the show, Miranda was able to fit four to six hours of content into two and a half hours for a Broadway show, averaging 144 words a minute. And
0: more if you're Lafayette. Because
1: Which is my next line. Lafayette, my favorite, has the fastest tongue in the show. At 6.3 words a second in Guns and Ships. Yes. (laughs) Which I made my husband watch this. And as soon as we got done, he literally went to his computer and started playing Guns and Ships over and over and over and over (laughs) and over over again. Until he learned that rap. He was like, oh my gosh. That is just... Talent, I have to know that I can do that. So, my husband knows the rap to guns and shit. <laughs> and I go on to say in my notes, I was like, I could probably make a whole episode in itself of what certain rap songs actually inspired Hamilton songs. Like, Lose Yourself inspired a certain line. Yeah. Um, there is some Biggie songs that really inspired lyrics in the musical. But we are here for a last call. This is not a full episode on <laughs> Hamilton's. So I'm going to leave this here. Make that a spinoff podcast. <laughs> uh, don't tempt me. <laughs> it could be a one episode podcast and I would be there. But the song Satisfied, which is one of my favorite songs, is historically inaccurate for two main reasons. First, Philip and Catherine Schuyler actually had a total of 15 children. <laughs> including three sons that did survive into adulthood. So in the song, she sings, she, she, she's singing about how she can't be with Alexander because she's the oldest and there aren't any sons and she has to carry on the family's name, the family's pride and all that stuff. So in reality, that wasn't true. The second reason this song would have been, would have been false. No, is inaccurate. Historically inaccurate. I cannot speak correctly. I don't know English. Very Join well. the club. <laughs> In real life, Angelica was already ma- married to John Church, a wealthy businessman, at the time that this song would have taken place. So, while their flirtation possibly was real in real life, yeah. the way that Alexander came into the family was not accurate at all. So, in one of the songs, they sing about how like a comma is misplaced. In the letter where Hamilton's writing to Angelica, and she's like, my dear Angelica. Yes. The comma was placed after Angelica. It should have been placed after dear. So in real life, that actually did happen, but the roles were reversed. Angelica was the one that misplaced the comma, and Alexander, like, called her out on it. was like, hey, what's up with this? Yeah. You like me? I'm married to your sister. This is kind (laughs) of weird. But also it's worth noting that in the time frame of all of this happening, it was very common for friendships to have very flirty letters written to each other. Yes. I mean, that was like kind of their primary source of like communicating at that point. But anyways, I just thought that, that was pretty interesting. Another interesting thing is the part where Angelica sings, if you really love me, you would share them. She did actually write that to her sister. <laughs> so all right angelica (laughs) yes all right fun fact number three in the first act alexander's hair is pulled back because that was the style for men going to war in the second act his hair is down while eliza is the one with her hair pulled back because she's going to war for her relationship and i noticed that the first time that i watched it i just didn't place any like significance yeah but I also, being like a theater kid in middle school, high school, I know that you know costumes and whatnot. They put a lot of thought into things like that to tell a story. Yes. So I I love that little fact. Um, one of my first questions I had when I learned of the tr- of the true Skyler family dynamic, the fifteen kids and all that, was what about Peggy? Oh. Was that an actual sister? Was it a up Peggy. character? <laughs> What, what is Peggy's story? So, it turns out that Peggy is real. She is one of the sisters. Did she die? I, yes, later on. I mean, she was she was 30, 40. Okay. It wasn't a young death, no. But, I think that I know why Miranda chose the sister as the third sister for the show. And it's because Peggy Schuyler in real life was 24 years old whenever she ran off and eloped with her 19-year-old distant cousin, Stephen Van the third. And so she disappeared for oh. a minute in their real lives. And Peggy. <laughs> and she came back. But in the show, she disappears after the first yeah. act to become the whore. <laughs> but I, I I think that that kind of is why. But also, Alexander and Peggy in real life actually had a very close relationship. She would confide in him. Um, he was actually with her whenever she passed away. And he was the one that told... Um, Also, I know that told Eliza that uh,
0: Lynn got a lot of like he read an autobiography, not but like a biography biography, on Alexander Hamilton, which I have not read, so I'm not sure even what was all in that.
1: Um, I've not read that either. I do not plan on reading that. That does not sound. Yeah, it's not my alley, but but I did read I I did read that. And I didn't really want to put that in as a fact. So I could have had the author's, author's name and everything for you here. But I did also read that the author for the biography helped write the play. Not necessarily helped write, but like he Gives, co-signed. Like some yeah.
0: historical. Right.
1: So while some of it is historically inaccurate, for the most part, it is very well spot on for what we do know is true of Alexander Hamilton's life. Yes. Which I think is pretty freaking cool. One thing that I feel like I knew, but I re-found out is Miranda originally could not decide if he wanted to play Hamilton or Burr. Yeah, I and know now that. I and want they... to see him play Aaron Burr.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I do remember hearing that, and they were like, "No, you gotta be Alexander."
1: <sighs> I would have loved to have seen him be Burr, but Which I love Leslie. To... Yes, he's great too. Which also brings me to, if you haven't seen this play, it is predominantly all people of color that are acting these parts. Yes. Which I fucking love. It's great. It's great. It's progressive. And it was a very deliberate um, decision from Miranda. Yes. He wanted to show how progressive our country has become. And one of the
0: best lines in the whole play immigrants we get the job
1: done which leads me to my last fact in the line in yorktown immigrants we get the job done the audience always applauded and cheered so loudly after that that they would miss the next few lines of the song so after the show had been out for like less than a month, they rewrote the song to add the extra music after that line to allow time for the audience to cheer and clap and all that stuff. Yeah. And whenever you're watching the Disney performance of it, they don't calm down in time still for the next <laughs> line to start. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely necessary, but they definitely could have gone for another beat or two because that's I love that line. Every time it comes yes. on, I kind of smirk. I just think it's funny. And regardless of what you feel about immigrants, like, we all came from immigrants. Somewhere in our line. Unless you are 100% Native American, you are an immigrant. You are not
0: from here, whether you want to believe it or not.
1: So you can take offense to that last little part of our show, but, like, in the end, we're all immigrants. We're all getting the job done. Yes. And, like, let's just stop being bitches about it. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Appreciate where we've come from and know that other people need a hel- a helping hand yes. as well. But, all right. I'm stepping off my soapbox because I really don't want to start an argument here. I just
0: but, verbally vom- yes.
1: vomited there. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please follow us on our socials. We have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Tequila She Wrote across the board. Email us, Wrote at gmail.com. We
0: release our episodes every Tuesday and Friday find them on your favorite social media not so but like your favorite podcast platform, pl- platform. we also have Patreon Start Up and running yes starting at a whole $2 you can get bonus. bonus episode a yeah. month you get ad free once we start adding ads which will sadly be very soon <laughs> if you're not an ad person I'm so sorry
1: Yes, but... Bitches gotta make some money. <laughs> yes. But, yeah. If you just pay us $2 a month, you wouldn't have to listen to ads once they start. Yes.
0: Um, Try and think what else we got.
1: Remember to subscribe. Yes. Rate us.
0: Like, comment. Love us. Interact with us. It helps.
1: We love you. Love us back.
0: Probably do another uh, Hamilton last call at some point because there is so much that did not get covered there. <laughs>
1: But Uh, uh, we're already at 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Y'all have a good day. Thanks for joining us on the Hot Mess Express. Beep, beep. (laughs) (laughs)